Welcome to another edition of Bikes, Burpees, and Backhands. This is your host, Dave Matthews. Listen in this week as Dalton Counts, a journalism student from the University of Alabama, interviews Dave on the status of USA men's tennis and when will our next Grand Slam champion come and where will he come from. I want to give a great shout-out to the latest Bikes, Burpees, and Backhands uh, Turnitopia winner, Mrs. Sherry Acock, who called the last Turnitopia draw with 212 points. Her mother, Diane, came in second, and yours truly came in third. want to thank them for playing, and hope everybody gets their draws ready for the Australian Open, which will be coming up in January. Now on to the featured interview. Uh, I've been doing some sure. research. The last U.S. man to win the Grand Slam uh, was Andy Roddick in 2003. What do you think's been going on? Do you have any reasoning for that at all? Uh, I think um, I think I don't think things have necessarily changed in the last 20 years versus the 20 years before it. And I, you know, I can kind of speak, you know, from experience because I I played you know, 40 years ago at your, you know, at your age. Um, I don't think so many things have changed. I think there have always been um, other interests, other subjects. Now, when I first started playing, there were less sports like there are now. I mean, now, I mean, you even got, you got things going in the Olympics that are just, you know, way out there. But they're sports for other people, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think that draws, you know, from the pool of, you know, top-level athletes. You know, you're talking about Andy Roddick, who's a top-level athlete. We're not talking about somebody who's really good. We're talking about top five, top ten in the world, you know, for a long time. So you're talking about an upper echelon of players, and – when you start, you know, taking good athletes out of, you know, first out of football, first and second out of baseball, and, and out of, uh, you know, tennis and out of swimming, and, you know, there are many athletes who can do many sports, but the smaller the pool, the less great ones you get in any one sport. So, I don't per se think it's necessarily changed. I think there's also there was for a, I don't know if it's still going on now with the amount of. Um, uh, you know, back in my day, every uh, a lot of families had two, three kids. Then all of a sudden, it seemed like for about a decade or two, people were having four and five kids and six kids. And there are still families on both sides of that fence, you know, some less, some more. But as a majority average, I think families are now getting down to where they're like doing one and two kids um, because it's so, so time-consuming, and it's, and it's always been, but – Parents are stressed a little further too. You know, some of them are working two and three jobs, or uh, you know, and a lot of different variables there. You know, broke down families, things like that. So, I think from the from the gene pool, I think uh, there's always been a lot of draws out of out of any one sport that creates. You know, for instance, a Dalton Counts comes up and he's got things in high school in his high school that I know very well that. You know, a lot of different things they're pushing to try to get Dalton up that 
you know, I don't say food chain, but, you know, get you more educated to go to the next level of education so that you can, you know, uh, be a, an upstanding citizen and viable young man out in the world and, and, you know, creating a living for himself and later his family and things like that. It's uh, it's always been a, a, a draw from a lot of different areas that do that. Um, I think a lot of people now are – uh, a lot of, you know, there's nothing wrong with exposing adult accounts to, and I use your name just because I know you, and it's just an example. Thank you, sir. Uh, it, it, there's nothing wrong with exposing adult accounts to many things, tennis and journalism in high school and, uh, you know, if he's good at uh, a ball kind of a sport, lacrosse, because it's a different season than tennis and things like Nothing wrong with that because it makes you a better well-rounded athlete, but there's a Dave Matthews over there on the other side, not taking my name or any erotic. I'm not on that plane with him by no means. Uh, but I did specialize in my sport, and it was my choice at the age of 13. We didn't have all the sports, uh, you know, to pick from. And I really love the the uh, discipline and the entities that tennis offered, and that was an individual sport. Yeah, high school and things like that, they played teams. But in reality, when you're out on the court, it's you and that other guy on the other side, and there ain't a whole lot nobody else gonna help you do. You know, you gotta, you gotta be thick between the ears, and know what your job is and get it done as best you can, because really that's what's on you. Now you're doing it for your team's score, but in reality it's you, and that I think uh, just you know from the many draws. Now I do know like with the USTA, I know like in, in other European countries. The government gets gets behind their national, uh, you know, sporting body like USTA, and here our government it, it kind of is, but not really. Uh, USTA is a monopoly in its own. You know, there's a UTR now that kind of starting to try to do some tournaments, but still you're fighting a monopoly, you know, with the USTA and the way the USTA is always done their system is you know it doesn't help a guy like um like a dave matthews who's out there on his own helping dalton and other high school kids that are paying their way and uh, things like that they don't they've got their own coaches and that kind of does do a little bit of a separation between you know let's say i take a dalton counts when he's eight nine years old and groom him and all of a sudden at 13 14 He's like top 20 in the state. Well, the USTA then comes in and says, hey, why don't you be a USTA player? And Dalton goes, but me and Dave's got to, you know, I'm top 20. Why don't I stay with Dave? And they're like, well, because we're not funding Dave. And all of a sudden, there becomes a separation. And you know as well as I do, even at the level you got to, and you've been around a lot of of high-level athletes over there at the U of A over there, um, me being an Alabama boy, I know how strong that is over there. Uh, it is interesting when, like I said, you get a coach that's got a bond with a kid and had it for four or five years, and all of a sudden that kid's asked to go somewhere else just because they're going to fund him. That funding is not going to create a bond with a new coach. It could happen, but it's tough. It's tough to build a bond between a when a player and a coach, and a coach knows the kid and what makes him tick, 
That's how you expose a kid to a next level and then a next level and then a next level because you know how they, they're challenged. And Dalton will always get back up for that next challenge with a coach he identifies with. But all of a sudden, because of funding, that bond is broken. And, you know, people think that an adolescent mind makes those bonds really quick. You don't because of that stranger danger kind of mentality. You know, you're, I, would, I would be hard-pressed to know of any kid in today's world or yesterday's world that builds a bond really quick before the age of, I'd probably say, 17, 18 years old. I'm, I'm leery of people at, at 60 because I've seen what people do to other people in a harmful way. And so that bond is what's tough. It's really tough at that younger age, and that's where I think our system kind of does a little bit of a, you know, a bad move. Is that a fair way to put it? Yes, sir. You know, so. I definitely see I I see that too, especially. Um, I really like what you said about um, kind of specialization, how that's not really focused anymore. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, I, I mean, I look at myself. I was doing, when I was in high school, I never really devoted myself fully to tennis. I, I was doing theater. I was doing school. Sure. Well, and it's um, nothing, you know, Dalton could have been, in, in, on a theatrical stage, maybe Dalton would have been your next Broadway person. But guess what? <laughs> Probably not that either. No, it's not, <laughs> I'm just saying, not not just tennis. Yes, but let's just say Dalton, all of a sudden now, I, and this is, a, this is a, true story, a true quick story. I had one of my kids one year uh, when I was over at Mountain Park with my academy. Uh, he came out, and he wasn't the most coordinated person out there, but he gave it his best effort and, and went on and on and on. He had a couple of friends that were on the tennis team, and they were really good. And he you know, was going to try it, and we, we tried it, and he came out and gave us gave 110% effort, all this, went to college, and guess what he became? He is now one of the best high school uh, cheerleading coaches in the country. Would have never seen that coming, but he went and tried it when he got into, into college, and now he's, it's unbelievable to watch him just bloom. He found his niche, and luckily he found it soon enough. You know, some people may not find it till they're, you know, get senior in college, and guess what? You're too late. And so, it, it is nothing wrong with not specializing, but until you start thinking and narrowing down your time is a big factor because you know as well as anybody, you don't got so much time in every day and every week and every month and on and on and on. So. When you don't do a little specialization, like my, you know, the old saying goes, my dad taught me, don't be a jack of all trades and master of none. And that means, you know, you got so many irons in the fire, none of those irons are getting hot unless you take some of them out and let the fire hit only a few of them. Well, when you do that, even if you just take one or two out and you've got one or two still in there, those two are going to get hotter. And that's when you can really start narrowing down. And like I tell the parents all the time, if your kid complains about coming, that ain't their passion. I mean, I remember when I was playing, uh, when I was playing sports, I was taught from a young age to give it everything you got every moment of every day you're out there. And that served me so well in everything and everything that I still do. If I do it, I ain't doing it halfway or I'm just not doing it. And so that in itself is what I became, um, you know, passionate about when I coached not just tennis, but anything is 
you got to give it. If you're not going to go give it everything you got while you're there, if it's an hour or two or whatever, then don't go. Do something else that you want to give it everything you got. That way, no matter what it is, you're going to feel content. You're going to feel like you gave it your good effort, and that's an uh, that's a uh, an ethic that everything will, will will prosper from, not just that sport or that you know uh, activity. And that's the one thing that I've always tried to teach my kids through tennis, using tennis as my mode of teaching, is that you need to be passionate about what you're doing, whatever it is. I, you know, Dalton Cowell came in my academy and says, "I'm gonna give it a year," la 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 la, and then he says. Coach Dave, I think I want to go into journalism. And I I would have looked at Dalton, I would have shook your hand and said, Dalton, you know what? You're at least a young man enough now to know where your interests really lie. doesn't mean you're not a good tennis player. It means you understand your desires, your values, and where you want to go. And I'm going to wish you the best. I want you to go be great at what that is. And that's what I try to teach my kids to do, you know? And that's that, to me, that's the gift that I was given at a young age, and my mom stepped in and told my dad. My, my older brother was, you know, near valedictorian at the high school I was at, and my mom looked at my dad when I was 13 and said, your younger son is not going to be like your older son. Don't even think about it. And my mom was a special ed teacher, so she knew, you know, teaching kids, it's, it, there's, a, there's an art to it, a, a knack to it to get the best out of the kid. And... uh she said he, he loves to play, and don't get in his way. Let him go play. Because she knew that my level of play made everybody else look like, you know, they're just goofing off. Well, Dave Matthews over there giving everything he got and every kickball. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Back here, softball, I hate losing. And it wasn't that I would cheat. I just I want to get good at it. And she understood that. Well, I think sometimes through our system, you know, we're trying to create these these, you know, legends of the sport, that's what the level you're talking about. I think we kind of lose the 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 uh the the passion by, you know, sometimes the parents change coaches, you know, because you know, the kids get to a certain level all of a sudden they want higher levels and you know, you gotta remember you're always dealing with an adolescent mind up under you know, I guess nineteen, twenty years old. I didn't mature till I was probably twenty years old. I mean really mature and that's when my tennis started taking off. But until then, if you're passionate about what you're doing, you're going to keep doing it. And, you know, your progress may not be, you know, meteoric, but it it could still be happening, you know, on a slower scale. But then once you mature and that mind comes around and you start putting together the pieces of what makes Dalton count, you know, a good player and what makes him – what shots, selection and execution – is he really good at? Boom! Now you're going to create somebody that's really going to go up fast. And sometimes it takes a while for Dalton to understand that himself. And when that happens, you're going to you're going to see the merge of a couple of good things happening, and everybody else can just sit back. And you know, I, I'm never wanting to, wanting the credit because it's always to me the kids. Kids got to hit the ball. The kids got to understand. And I'm just trying to kind of iron out the, the you know the the pleats in the skirt or the the you know the the wrinkles in his pants so that he gets a little bit straighter of a knowledge and mentality of where he's going and what he needs to do to get there. So well, from what from what I'm pick, from what I'm picking up, it seems like you're saying like the American tennis culture per se hasn't really 
It's, it's not. It's nothing negative. You're saying just the American Absolutely. culture in general has kind of steered people away from winning major championships per se because people aren't specializing. Yeah, I, I just I just think the way that the system is set up, where kids, you know, like I said, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. I, I've had kids change, you know, stop coaching with me and go somewhere else, and then a year later come back and realize I'm worse than I was when I was here. And I was like, well. Because the grass always looks green on the other side. It always does. Somebody's going to come up to you. And we have coaches that are nothing wrong with, like, sales. I mean, you know, sales are everywhere in every 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 mm-hmm. bit of society. And people will sell you a, a bag of crap if you listen. <laughs> and our culture, man, there's a lot of it. I mean, you look at the Internet right now. Look at all the crap. That's, uh, look at this. It does this for you. It's, it's a security camera. It's this. It's that. Man, oh, that's a bunch of crap. Oh, yeah, 1995, guess what? You got a bunch of crap coming in the mail. You know, it's and it's no different. And what's really sad to me is that people will listen to somebody sell them about their program, in, in not only in tennis, but everything, sports and fitness and everything. They'll sell you something, and you've got to realize one thing. Dalton Counts has got one body. And the rep- the replacement parts aren't worth shit. You can go to the doctor and get them replaced all day long. They are not as good as your original parts. So why would you think going to somebody else, if you're doing what you're doing and it's not hurting your body at all, which it's hurting it very little, you know, sprained ankle or two, occasionally, blah, 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 you're pushing. But, if you know, you got shoulder, arm problems, things like that. Something ain't right. And I ain't telling you it's the coach's fault. It might be your technique fault. It might be you're not listening's fault. I don't know. But I see people changing all the time, and I'm like, you got to be careful. You're not, you're not playing with a car that you can just go replace the engine in. You're playing with your body. And your body is expensive machinery. I can tell you that now. And yes, to, to to mess with the mind and the body at, at just a whim of what oh, what look what how good I can be over there, they're just selling you stuff. You got to be careful. I know I'm no different, but I'm gonna try to make logical sense of what I'm what I'm telling you. You need to do. And if you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. Go ahead and keep going. You know that's, that's okay. But yeah, I think our system is set up that where. We get bonds built between young kids, you know, starting at – some of them start at 6, 7. Some of them start like it up at the Buford where you came from. Some of them start at, you know, 8, 9, 10. That's where our program usually starts. You get in two or three days a week, things like that, and you start getting better. Um, and then all of a sudden, they're, you know, the USGA steps in. Because I, I had one of my kids one year uh, back a couple of decades ago. He uh, he was he was nothing, and then all of a sudden in the second year of the twelve. He was top ten in the state, and all of a sudden they started inviting him to all these training camps and all this. And you know, we got our coaches over here, and I'm like, "You're playing with an adolescent mind." You know, Dalton Count at 12 years old, you're going to ask him to decipher that Dave Matthews is telling him one thing, and he's been with me for three, four years. He's understanding the way I say things, why I say them, and then you got this new coach is coming in saying. Could be saying the exact same thing, but Dalton's a twelve-year-old. You think he's gonna decipher what 
what this new coach is saying, and it's going to complement what Dave has been saying for three or four years, the chances of that happening are slim because it's an adolescent mind. Not because Dave don't know what he's saying or the other guy. It's an adolescent mind. And that, to me, huh? No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I mean, that it's not the fact that the two coaches do or don't know what they're talking about. It's the fact that you're dealing with an adolescent mind that can't decipher between the two. Oh, well, my dad will explain that to me. Well, there's your third entity in there. <laughs> so now you've got, is he going to listen to dad or Dave or this new coach? And so you've got, now you're starting to create a mixed bag of a mentality that who knows what's going to come out of there. Okay, so yeah, we, the research I've been doing. Yeah. Okay, so I, I was looking at the research I've been doing for this, and uh, I kind of thought the source of um, going all the way up to Americans and professional tennis would be, like, I was looking at colleges, and almost every single college roster, it'll be international players from all over sure. the place instead of Americans filling these scholarships. But from what you're saying, it looks like it starts even younger um, when the best players sometimes get confused on if they have different coaches, if they have these different things from the USDA come in. Uh, so do you think that's part, part, part of that? That is that is part of the problem, absolutely. And Dalton, I can tell you right now, face facts. You know, it's kind of funny because you texted me last night. I started laughing because there I was at, uh, let me think, 19 years old. I was on a junior college tennis team on a full-ride scholarship because I started specializing when I was 13. Uh, I dropped football, baseball, and basketball because I played them all. And at that at that age, I said, God, I love this sport. And that was my choice. There were no programs in my area. I just started playing tennis only, and that was it. I loved it. And so the next three or four years, and I had about four people in my little bitty city that I played with all the time, uh, I started playing. And, you know, part of my, my game came from me being a shortstop when I was 8 to 9 to 10 to 11. And I stopped playing baseball at 12 or 12 and a half years old. And uh, – me being a shortstop, I had a great throwing motion. I could throw that ball across the diamond on a on a rope, and that's where my serve came from. So after that, uh, you know, there was a junior college at the National Junior College Tennis Tournament, the round of 16, you know, players out of a 256 draw. I was one of 16 players on eight courts, and I was the only American. Wow. So that was in nineteen. That was in nineteen seventy nine, or seven. Yeah, seventy eight. I graduated high school in seventy six. Seventy eight. I was the only American out of sixteen left. So, so this was yeah, people. Here. No, no, not at all. And and what's the difference? The guys over there, um, they they are hungry. They they know the system everywhere. They know the system worldwide, and they know their scholarships to advance their education, period. And they use most of the European players normally graduate when they're 17. So that next year, uh, if you're good enough, you'll go and you'll try some satellite circuit events over there and things like that. But they don't penalize you, and then you come, then they come here for a scholarship. And now with the video system set up all over the place, they send in videos to, you know, they'll, Dalton Council will get a video up and he'll send it to, you know, 20, 20, 30 coaches, and the coaches sit right there and look at the video. The coach ain't going nowhere. And I don't, I don't blame them. I mean, it's there. 
but that, you know how videos are too. You can make a video look like you're, you know, Brad Pitt on on the big screen. But uh, you know, here we go again. You're selling yourself, and that's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the system. But um, yeah, uh, it, it, it's nothing new. <laughs> like I said, I walked over to the, you know my first ball. We had eight courts in a row at Saul Ross Tennis Center there in Waco, Texas, and uh, my ball, you know, guy hit an angle volley. Went over went two courts down. I'm trying to ask guys, you know, they're throwing that ball court, two courts away. They're not even looking at me because they don't know. What, they weren't speaking English. You know, maybe maybe a few words, but <laughs> that's about it. And that's okay. I don't care. I'm out there to kick butt, you know. So, but yeah, okay. that's so one thing I, you know, one thing I was thinking about is I thought this was. I guess I haven't done too much research into it in, the, in depth because I thought this was somewhat of a new phenomenon that's happened in life. No, in the, no. In the oh, matter of fact, matter of fact. But, Absolutely. Matter of fact, one of my good friends who passed away a few years back, he was from Australia. His name is Peter Doohan. Peter, Peter Doohan beat uh, Boris Becker at Wimbledon one year. Uh, big, one of the biggest upsets in, in tennis history. Uh, you, you can Google that. Peter Doohan. We used to call him Doohan, but it's, it pronounced it Doohan. Uh, he's from Australia. And me, Peter, and a guy named Pat Surratt, who's at Alexandria, Louisiana, we were all, I think we're all about early 30s, maybe mid-30s. And uh, uh, we're over in Huntsville, Alabama, playing a professional tournament. And we're sitting there. And I said, Dylan, who are you playing today? And he goes, oh, I got, I got me a little boy right off the boat. And we started, me and Pat started kind of chuckling. He was, he was serious. There was a kid coming in, going to play for, and this is in Huntsville, Alabama. He was going to play for USA, University of South Alabama. This kid was 19, eight, basically 18 and a half years old, just got off the plane we call it the boat, from Sweden. And literally the day before, they drove him up to Huntsville to play. He beat Dewan first round. Dewan came off the court and he goes, I hate these little young kids. But, I mean, you know, you, you're comparing this kid was a Swedish clay court player and we're playing on clay and the kid did really well. Uh, I think I don't know, this kid won the tournament. He and me, Peter, and Pat, we were on the tournament about three, four rounds later. But, you know. He, he looked at him, and, and the kid, you know, was the kid. He, he, I think the kid came up while me and Pat, Pat and him were still sitting there talking, and uh, we, you know, we were sitting there, and he goes, uh, so what do you think he's going to do? You know, we're, we're all, all of us older guys are always kind of chit-chatting about the system and how it how it's worked and how, it you know, kids use it. And, I mean, that's just part of, uh, you know, just being savvy, trying to be, you know, life, life skills is what that is. It's trying to survive. And uh, he goes, oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to come in here. He's going to play at USA one year. And while he's while he's here, I mean, while he's even at this tournament in Huntsville, he's going to connect with every person from Europe that's here. And he's going to find out who's going to have spots open next year and where he can transfer to to advance his tennis career. And I was like, holy cow. But – you think Dalton Counts was thinking that way at 18 and a half years old? Maybe, but you see what I'm saying. These kids coming out of Europe, they are they are looking to make moves on the world, not not where am I going to college once or twice. It's am I staying here or am I going the next year? And they are they are networking to the tenth degree. And this was back before. You even had a, a phone in your hand. You know, this is when 
personal person contact was major. You know, he he would he'd have a little little pad in his hand in his, in his book. You know, he'd write down phone numbers. Oh, this is it, man. Shoot, it was networking to tenth degree without a cell phone. It was crazy. But so it seems like there's not a yes, sir. It seems like there's not a talent differential. There's just like a drive differential. A lot of it is drive. Like I said, saying some of that drive, Dalton. You know, part of my drive was the fact that. I came from a small town. There wasn't much. I mean, there, there was there were sports. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's kind of funny. When you called me, I started laughing because uh, the little little town I'm from played one of your quarterbacks, your University of Alabama's quarterbacks, and one of your ex-quarterbacks both went to the high school that my little hometown beat like a year or two ago in the state 7A final. Look at Dalton going, oh, my God. Yeah, they play, they play the what – they, what's the last name? Yeah, Chuck, what quarterback is this? Well, Tua's brother, younger brother, is on the University of Alabama's team, I think. Oh, he transferred to Maryland. He went to Thompson okay. High School in Alabaster. Yeah, yeah. They went They went to uh, – yeah. But the, and then Tua, I think Tua played there, too. And Central High School down in Phoenix City is where I'm from. Okay. Central Central played. Uh, I think they yeah they played Tua's brother. Uh, that was a, a year, year year maybe two ago. It was in, in, it was in 2018, and and they ran through them. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, mean, I think Central won by like 35 points or more. I mean, it was. Well, the the, the big thing with Central is they they preach defense. Their defensive coach mm-hmm. told told that defense. If you let somebody score, you let them cross that line, you're coming out. And that, the defense was like, you know, it was almost like a Nick Saban Jr. You know, down there in Central, they were like, don't you, don't you let nobody come across that line. You better hit somebody. And sure. Central just got after it. But I mean, you know, that's just that's, you know, you got guys out there, Sabins, and there are a lot of guys that preach that defense, and that's that's a mentality. I mean, that's that's something you got. It's awesome to watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, so. It's nothing, you know, coming from a small town, part of it is a hunger drive, you know. Part of it was my dad, who was not sports-oriented until later in life. I mean, he loved sports. I mean, he could sit in his little lazy boy chair. Man, he's the best armchair quarterback there was. Play it? No, not going to happen. He was a military man. He's in the military at 16 years old. So, But for me, being told that all I ever did was eat, sleep, and play, you know, even growing up, boy, all you do is eat, sleep, and play. He's sleeping, playing. My mom says, "Yeah, but he ain't playing." That's work to him, mm-hmm. and that's that's just a mentality that, you know, maybe maybe it's a survival mode. You know, maybe it's a, uh, you know, now in today's world they might call that bullying, but my dad was probably telling the truth. I didn't have a job. My first job, I was probably, think. 17 years old, I worked at a recreation center, you know, just a superintendent, you know, watched the place. But, uh, you know, when I went to play, it wasn't play. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't having, I had fun. I enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed pushing myself to limits that a lot of people dream of getting to. But maybe that's part of survival, too, you know. Yes, sir. I got one more for you. Yeah. You can go. 
Oh, no, I'm, 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 go ahead. Okay, uh, final one. Um, just looking, if you were, you know, if you're going to give advice to, I mean, this is partially what you do, right? I mean, you're still a tennis coach. So if you're oh, going to yeah. give advice to a young player that was American, he's trying to get recruited to go to college, what would you tell him? Uh, uh, you need to think bigger and better than than what's around you. You need, you know, you know, it's kind of like what I grew up with. If I'm out there, even if I'm doing something simple like running a hill right there behind Court 12 at Buford City Park, uh, you can't just run the hill. that many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you need to run that hill like, like there's somebody right beside you, but they're a stride in front of you every day. And you need to run it like you're always trying to catch that person because there is somebody out there in front of you. You just don't see them. And that person is somewhere else. It's going to find you in a tournament, and that's where it's going to show up. You know, the better you get, the less you see of all your opponents, and the more you have to be thinking about the perfect forehand that I'm hitting or the perfect backhand, and don't be satisfied until, uh, you know, I don't want to say you want to beat yourself in the ground over it. You don't, but you need to continue to search for, you know, as often as possible, the best stroke, backhand, forehand, volley, whatever, and then think about what are they going to do to beat you. And then you need to cover those holes up on a daily basis because somebody's doing something that's just like, uh, it's kind of funny, the other day I, was, I have a kid here and um, his father lives, in, well, he's from Decatur, which is where I'm, I live now. Um, and I ride bikes with his dad in the morning, early morning hours before, you know, everything gets going, like from 6 to 7 o'clock in the morning. And his this dad's son is in Europe right now. He just got through riding the Giro d'Italia, which is, you know, bike race right there with the Tour de France. He rode the Tour de France last year. He's on a team, a team out of Poland. Uh, and it was funny because the other day he put up his grid for what he did last week on the bike. He was on the bike seven days, 35 and a half hours. Um, and I said, and we think what they do is easy. And, you know, he's riding that bike probably 30 miles an hour, 35 hours. There ain't nobody normal on this planet that's going to pull 30 miles an hour on a bike. I mean, let me tell you, it's insane, Dalton. Most people, if they can ride 15 miles an hour, that's that's really good. If you're above 15 miles an hour, which I am, you're 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 in that upper echelon. You ain't nowhere near that level, but you're you're in that upper two or three percent of cyclists because most cyclists are 15 miles an hour or slower for an extended period of time, like a couple hours. You know, most people can, if they can go 15, that's big speed. Well, for this guy, that's, he's twice that fast. And that's, I'm looking at people going, and you think he was talented. Let me tell you, that kid started riding the rides that I ride in the morning right here in Decatur with his dad. And he was one, he, it was funny, the other day I heard him talk about, I remember when I couldn't get up one of those hills on Tuesdays. We do five hills on Tuesdays. And he said, I remember when I couldn't get up one of those hills. And I was like, holy cow. But that's where you start. 
and then you, you know, you think somebody's right there in front of you, and you keep pushing, and then you finally get over the hill, and then you maybe try that hill twice the next time. You know, you got to keep pushing. You can't just stay the same, not if you're trying to get somewhere. Well, our kids have so many irons in the fire that they need to start taking some of them out and let a couple of them get hotter. And that's, uh, at that point, you've got some good things, like here in Georgia, you've got the Hope Scholarship that can help you out, helps a college coach out, things like that. But you need to you know, be able to market yourself, but you need to be working on your game. Your social skills out there outside of tennis ain't going to get you on that tennis team. Not going to do it. I mean, you can go over to U of A and look at their team, and they're, they're not tops in any region, but they're good. They're really good. And like you said, they're probably all foreigners, but they're good. And so, you know, you've got to get to hitting with people like that in high school. And you know as well as I do, you ain't going to find it on a high school team. Mm-hmm. And so you need – that's why I tell my kids right now, I've got kids right now getting ready to play their old alma mater up here, and they've got to justify – if they're going for a college scholarship, is it justified? Is my time justified to play anything? USTA, Alta, high school, all of them are in there because what's going to get you that scholarship is a ranking. And you better get a good one. And the more tournaments you play, you better get going. I mean, I had one of my kids before I came to Buford. He played number one. He played number one for four years at Georgia State. And he played his freshman year of high school because he wanted that high school letter. And Dalton, i tell you the honest truth, he played – he had a great two-handed backhand. Half the matches he played left-handed. He was right-handed. And after his freshman year, after his freshman year, he said, I can't – well, his freshman year, and I, I, I mark this down, too, to show people what it does. His freshman year, he was in the 16th boys' southern ranking he was 21 when he started his freshman year in high school. Then he played high school tennis, you know, in that, in that, in that, that spring season. And by the end of the summer, he had dropped to 85 in the 16th division in the South. And he did not play high school tennis again. wasn't my choice. I don't tell any of my kids what to do. I try to tell them. One, you've got four years to play high school sports, period. Two, you've got four high school seasons that are going to take, you know, I'd say roughly three to four months out of your schedule, and you worked eight other months to get to the level you're at. Are you willing to waste 16 months of your high school career, basically a year and a quarter, and go backwards? Because you're not going to catch that, that conditioning up. Conditioning you lose in high school season, you won't get until the next year in your high, of your high school. You, it takes you, well, like Lance Armstrong said at one time, you lose conditioning four times faster than you gain it. So if you condition for eight months and then you take four months off, you just wasted eight months of work. Now, I'm not saying high school attendance is not. You're you're shutting down. You're not, but the conditioning, like running hills and stuff like that, you know, a lot of my kids now they they go to their high school practice and then they're they're not too tired, but 
They got studies they got to keep up with, and I understand that. I do. But then you look at me and you go, well, I'm not playing as good as I was two months ago, and I go, because you can't sustain it for more than one set. And when you go to a USTA tournament, <laughs> you're going to get hammered. Mm-hmm. You know, That's you what I always noticed. Is, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just I always love just like um, being part of a team, and uh, when I found a sport yeah. I love tennis, and then I, and I love being a part of the team. I mean, it was, it was perfect for me, and then I kind of decided after my sophomore year I didn't really want to play in college, and uh, yeah. I wanted to start focusing on other things. And so high school tennis was perfect for me. But something something I have noticed is, is those those top level level players. I don't really think they have any business um, being on a high school team. Absolutely. Um, because Absolutely. I, I, I didn't see themselves challenging. I couldn't see themselves challenging themselves really at all. <laughs> so, and and, that, and that's the that's the dilemma, you know. And and here we go again. You know, you, you add in whether you, whether a person likes it or not. Part of that entity with that kid is mom and dad may not have played any high school or maybe played a little bit of some high school sports. Well, they they love to see their kid on the high school team. And, you know, around all the other parents, that is a status quo kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, I didn't care what other people think. When I played, I was there for one reason, to win. And it's a little, it, it was different when I was growing up because when I was growing up, there weren't, weren't so many tournaments. There's a tournament every weekend now somewhere. And... So the avenue or the the ability for kids to get out and play tournaments was not as great back then. So everybody played high school tennis. Everybody did. That was you actually got some good match play, and uh, so that actually helped. You know, when I was coming up, now it it's you know, when also now you don't have ninety. I guarantee you the percentages. I'm not probably not far off. Ninety five percent of your high schools don't have high school tennis coaches. They may have a lay coach, and the lay coaches, they're usually okay at best, at best. And, I mean, I'm I'm being honest. I've seen them from anywhere from South Atlanta to where I'm at now. They're okay at best. And is that going to help the kid's mentality or anything like that? Not really. You know, the team atmosphere, it is, it's good. It's camaraderie. You could do that with outer, an outer league. You could do that with anything else. It doesn't matter, you know. Well, I get a high school letter, and where, where is that going to get you, Dalton? I mean, going to college. Yeah, well, yeah, and you had to buy the jacket. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Can't trust believe. me, I did, I did that one time, too. My dad looked at me and went, you bought that jacket? And I was like, yeah, I know. It's probably it's not as warm as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm buying a jacket, if I'm buying a jacket, brother, it's wintertime stuff. It better be warm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of the stuff we, we we've talked about. It's just it's kind of like a lot of our society problems that we have now. Period is that we look at them and we think we have all these solutions, but when it comes down to solutions, nobody want to listen and do them anyway. Whoa, that's pretty deep, isn't it? It is. Think about all the problems that we have, you know, and you're talking to the guy that builds white bikes for, you know, cyclists that get killed. Are you going to tell you how you solve all of our road problems, road rage problems? Make people obey the laws on the road. 
No, you know, everybody wants the speed, everybody. But if you slowed everybody down to the real speed limit, you actually might have time to adhere to the law and avoid all those cars going on and off the road that you were going too fast to be able to rationally decide what to do. Ooh, that's pretty scary. But, I mean, that's kind of the same thing, you know. USGA been screaming for uh, – they just did a revamp of their point system, and everybody's talking about, well, the USGA, the system is as good as it can get, da 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 And that's the ranking system. And I said, the saddest part is you've got the ATP tour and the WTA tour sitting right there in front of you. It's been there for 50 years, and that is the system you ought to use, the point system you ought to use. Well, you know, and they come up with all these excuses, but the bottom line is, you ready for this dog? It's going to hit you like a brick wall. The root of 98% of the problems that we talk about, and I'm talking about what we just talked about just then, high school tenants and all that, the root of all the problems is either, number one, you, you both of them are kind of tied together, money or power. You think of everything you, we talked about. USA, why would it not change? Money. Money. They're on a monopoly. Why would they want to mess it up? Political problems, what's it all boil down to? Money and power. Don't do the right thing because somebody's funding Dalton Council over there. You know, somebody's funding Dave Matthews or USTA or you know, the Republican Party, Democratic Party, Liberal Party, it's all money. Boy, I, now I'm getting now I'm getting in your heart and soul now, ain't I? I've noticed that the past uh, few months when we're looking at, and just something I've noticed, watching college football, that the Big Ten, the Pac-12, just basically going back on their word. And it's all for money. They, they, they look at the huge the bunch of deficits they're going to have because they didn't play college football, and it's a huge billion-dollar business. And I think oh. they've kind of realized, well, you know, we were wrong, <laughs> and we're going to – and everyone else is going to be – well, everyone's still going to be in debt because everything's not normal, but we're going to be way far behind everybody else in terms of scholarships and especially in terms of money. So I've been thinking about that lately too. Absolutely. Well, think of this, Dalton. What's going to happen to the – well, let me just take one for instance. The NBA, viewership down 70% in the finals. Mm-hmm. They, they got by this year. Try to watch a minute. But, hey, I, I want to see. I didn't either. I didn't either. But I want to see when the sponsors are not bringing in the kind of money that they thought they did, like on beer and all that stuff, memorabilia and all that. When all that trickles down the, uh, down the pipe a little bit, and they don't have that money coming in, Where's the salary money going to come from? All those millions per year? I bet that gets chopped a little bit too. The trickle is what's going to hurt. So what these a lot of these people are doing right now, you know, voicing their opinions, I got nothing wrong with it. I don't. But there's a time and a place for everything. And is was that a, a time and a place? Maybe, but in the right way. You know, do it do it the right way so that you keep your job or you keep that entity in, in place that everybody else up until this year has worked hard to get it to that level. Well, now you just chopped it. 
So wait about five years and let's see what the salaries look like. See, people are always talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about five years from now, see what happens. Dalton's going to be out of college maybe in five years, it should be, or maybe in graduate school, and he's going to look back on this conversation, and he's going to look up and go, holy cow, is this guy forecasting something? That eh, maybe. Have I been wrong for Sure. But I'm also a patient observer, and that's what I've always been great at doing is watching and learning. And that's how I learned to play tennis golf. And I didn't take a lesson until I was 19 years old on full-ride tennis scholarship by watching. That's pretty scary. Yes, sir. But, yeah. Well, that's all the um, questions I had. I had uh, I, yeah. I think that's all the questions I had. Thank you so much for talking to me. Can I give you anything for your podcast, maybe? I doubt it, but. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm recording this bad boy. I'm going to preempt this in. With, hey, I had a great conversation with a you know, a former student and a good friend now. You know, he's at the University of Alabama working on his journalism degree and things like that. And, oh, you're going to get promoted. I'll tag you in it. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, let, you know, send me awesome, your yeah. stuff. And I, I'll tag you in there. Absolutely. Like some of your friends over there listen to it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right, buddy. Have a good day, and uh, keep the grades up over yeah. there. I will. Hope y'all are doing well. All right. You too. Bye-bye.